so i in fact i visited a, a village called tulsi in chatisgarh okay uh, i went there in october so that village is actually called as the youtuber village what so, are you saying is it yeah i mean if you i mean google it you will see tulsi is the name of the village okay so there is uh, as in that that entire village everybody acts in youtube videos so there are few youngsters there who have created their youtube channels okay they make uh, like stories and things like from the village so they they're like acts like they make stories and then uh, if uh, for example they need a old woman's character so somebody's grandmother will come okay. and act. okay like this entire village is like this uh, theater group kind of a thing you know so very I, interesting i spent okay. two days with them there mm. so i mean their channel is called bean chatisgarhia so okay okay chatisgarhi channel so chat okay. no it's like a regional uh, language channel and they have followers and things like that yeah they have uh, lakhs of followers so. lakhs is it okay yeah. Hi, Professor Tanvi Gupta. Thanks a lot for uh, joining uh, Contra Minds, and uh, it's a privilege to talk to you. Thanks a lot, Swami. I'm really glad to be a part of this conversation. Thanks. Uh, so, Professor Tanvi, uh, when I go back to uh, you know uh, your background, uh, what I can see is that uh, you know you did pharma market research, and then you moved into uh, you know uh, the semiotics kind of a you know a change that you did so where did this transition happen and where was this interest from uh, you know your early age early age to look at marketing as a uh, as a profession and specifically semiotics as an area that you wanted to pursue yes yes uh, so i have i mean technically from childhood i have been really interested in uh, advertisements and brands like i've always been fascinated by that space right from my childhood uh, and i kind of quite early like right after my uh, 12th actually i thought of moving into the space of uh, marketing and business and as in i come from a business family as well so maybe that might might have also primed me at an early age so i kind of did my bachelor's also in business management and after that i directly did my mba at maika uh, in amdavad which is a communications uh, in, like it specializes in communications so i did my uh, mba and i specialized in marketing research at during my mba and maika i think uh, was a un- is a unique business school because it has very deep specialized uh, subjects within marketing so semiotics was actually one of the electives that was taught at maika so that was the first time i got exposed to semiotics as a subject along with uh, uh, of course the classical uh, subject like consumer behavior so kind of combining these subjects really like that was the moment i felt like i'm that i this is something really i'm interested to do okay so semiotics i learned semiotics at maika and then uh, i joined Uh, market research so i worked at uh, milward brown which is now kantar right. so i worked there for 3 years so at my job again uh, i worked on a lot of consumer research projects and semiotics at that time was not 
I wasn't getting a chance to do semiotics that often uh, because it was more mainstream uh, consumer research. And then I really wanted to go f- deeper into this space. So, uh, and, and kind of I had this academic interest in you know, understanding consumer behavior more deeply. So after working in commercial research for three years, then I uh, applied for an M- for a PhD program at IIM Bangalore. So I did my PhD in uh, consumer behavior from IIM Bangalore. And the PhD process gave me time to go deeper and read, study these subjects much more deeply. And uh, uh, kind of it opened up my uh, learning with different methods as well. So. So my thesis was also pretty much in the space of visual design and perception and how it changes by culture, which again is rooted in semiotics, but uh, also a lot of uh, mainstream consumer psychology uh, methods also was involved in this where we conduct experiments and like pretty much semiotics actually is a uh, qualitative method, uh, but uh, my PhD, my research was uh, kind of looking at it from a from a quantitative lens as well. So basically, it's kind of uh, semiotics is about the way your mind processes uh, kind of con- content, either branded or unbranded. But basically, it's about the way the human mind makes meaning of things that they are exposed to. And this could be either uh, looked at it in a qualitative way or also it can be kind of tested in a quantitative way. So I've kind of uh, tried to uh, have an integrated approach when it comes to methods in my research. Okay. Okay. So uh, see, uh, uh, in a country like India, uh, semiotics uh, is not such a, uh, you know, well-developed craft, if I were to speak. So, if you know, if I look at the developed markets like the US or the Europe, uh, you know, there are uh, really specialized, uh, you know, companies which do semiotics. So, uh, so can you talk to our audience about what is semiotics? Yes. Yes. So semiotics actually is a study of how meaning is created in people's minds. So it might sound very abstract, but uh, technically when it comes to especially branding, like I'm talking about marketing, the application of semiotics in marketing. So when it comes to creating a brand, a brand identity, it's all about, uh, it's like an engineering exercise, if I have to say it in terms of what Indians understand, right? So in engineering, tech, we actually use real physical materials and objects, join them together to create a bridge or whatever, right? But uh, in branding also, it's kind of similar thing, but you're working with conceptual and perceptual elements that are brought together and when i say perceptual it could be anything like visuals like like if you're designing a logo also there everything like like your font or your colors like the each and every element of the design it can be dismantled into its uh, individual units right and the way things come together uh, it completely creates a very different uh, meaning from the what the final product is right so it's perceptual and also conceptual like for example if you're uh, creating a brand targeting uh, mothers you know if it's a child uh, a product to be used by the child then there's an it's an entire emotional space that opens up so what elements will bring what kind of emotional elements can you bring together in your brand even that's like a 
strategic decision that the brand needs to make and usually uh, designers uh, tend to uh, apply their intuition when they're designing things when they say okay this feels right or this doesn't feel right or sometimes we tend to just use some taken for granted uh, uh, patterns like we say this generally works so we'll just put it together this way so semiotics actually is a very org systematic exercise where you kind of decode the entire uh, space that you're trying to study. For example, if I take this ma uh, motherhood space itself, uh, if I'm a brand trying to launch a product for, for catering to young mothers, I will, in a semiotic analysis, I will actually uh, take a systematic analysis of all the various products and brands that are out there in the same space. What kind of a structure are they following in their communication? What kind of emotions they are following? So you do this complete mapping of everything that is already there out there. And it's not that everybody will be doing it in one way. Mm. You'll, you'll see this entire plotting or mapping, which, uh, you know, in branding, uh, there's something called perceptual mapping. Mm. If I mean, you would have seen that two by two kind of a... Yeah. Uh, quadrant and you plot things right so in semiotics also we do a similar thing but those quadrants also emerge from the content that we look at so you kind of try to map that those quadrants and try to find out which of these spaces are maybe getting outdated or not relevant anymore which spaces are really relevant and resonate very well with the audience Right. So you kind of do it in a very systematic way. And it's actually quite powerful because this really opens up the space and the category for the people who are actually working for the brand. So okay. recently I had done one project where the entire team was like, they told me that they had never thought of it this way. They had, they used to th think of the category in a very stereotypical way till now, but it's a fresh perspective coming from outside. It really opened it up. But yes, of course, in India, it is still not a mainstream method because uh, I think one thing is that there's not many uh, people who are trained in it. There's not much awareness about it. And mostly, I think people tend to, what I said, prefer to use their intuition and then uh, uh, trial and error and then try to get things right in the process. But this exercise actually, I think, would be very useful. And I think one main issue is lack of awareness also. Not many people are, are aware. I myself got exposed to it only at, when I was studying. Hmm. Before that, even I wasn't aware. So it's uh, that I think awareness itself is something which is low. And once people are able to see value in it, then it can actually go Okay. Up. Okay. So, uh, so semiotics is a very interesting uh, area where... I think there is anthropology, there's sociology, and there is psychology, right? Yeah. I think it's a uh, it's a craft where you need to bring all of these three all of these three things together, right? So, say for example, you study culture, you study the society, you so you study the uh, you know the behavior of people, okay? And uh, talk to me uh, about how do you see these connections and uh, how do you really discover these uh, you know, uh, observations. So it's a very, very important, uh, you know, uh, mix of uh, skills that you need to bring in. So can you talk to me about how do you really uh, connect this and uh, give me some examples of, uh, you know, how marketers or, uh, you know, companies can uncover this for their 
products or brands yeah sure yeah so basically if you look at culture as a like as a construct right so culture is basically a shared sense of meaning Mm. so uh, if you look at psychology generally psychology considers just one individual person and what's happening inside their mind mm. so that psychology and generally if you look at uh, kind of especially like the western uh, notion of psychology they consider that all human beings on the planet have the same wiring of the brain mm. like everybody uh, uh, behaves the same like everybody will think in the similar way maybe they differ by personality somebody is an introvert somebody is an extrovert but it's just what is there inside one person's mind which replicates with across everybody's mind that is like psychology and then when you look at culture so sociology and anthropology basically are sub disciplines which uh, kind of study culture and they don't gen- they don't actually study one person's mind as mm. psychology okay so, culture is basically saying that it's not that each one person is just independently has a certain thing in their mind and and it's also not correct to assume that the entire world has the same type of wiring mm-hmm. culture segregates uh, you know the world into like groups of uh, people so for example if i say indian culture then it will be that indians when they when you just look at indians there is something common a way of thinking which is shared by all indians mm-hmm. so say you know like the culture of bangalore for example as a city so you say all bangaloreans have one certain culture mm. which might be a little different from all india level mm. so also have like a culture at a level of an organization mm. like i am udaipur as a culture so we are a very research oriented culture mm. so like everybody is talks a lot about research here and whenever we think of anything research is something that comes to our mind first mm. so so depending on how you define your uh, social group there'll be a certain shared sense of uh, blueprint in the mind the way people mm. interpret things make sense of things so so when you are do analyzing culture you are actually analyzing it at that collective level mm. instead of analyzing it at an individual level mm. that's why in semiotics as a method what we what we do is outside in approach mm-hmm. so so a regular research if you're doing like a qualitative research you will go and take an interview of a person you'll ask them about what do you think uh, which what type of brands do you like what do you think about this ad tell me so you take an interview which is inside out you're mm-hmm. asking the consumer to tell you things uh, in semiotics what we do is outside in mm-hmm. basically it's that a person's mindset uh he has been socialized growing mm. up in a certain culture mm. and while growing up in that culture that individual has been exposed to so many things mm. whether it is the type of family uh, upbringing and the type of maybe movies that they have seen growing up the type of ads they have seen whatever magazines all the media and even mm. now like youtube and social media influencers everything all this which surrounds the people of a particular culture we actually decode the content itself mm, mm. so you look at patterns and structures in those content and then uh, you arrive at the potential uh, uh, you know wiring or the blueprint that stay, resides in a particular culture okay. and uh, what i have seen in the industry is that usually companies they tend to mix the two methods mm. so semiotics is outside in and 
like ethnography or depth interviews is more inside out. Mm-hmm. So they do what we call as ethnosemiotics, mm-hmm. where you do both. And mm-hmm. usually it's what we call as triangulation, mm-hmm. where you use two methods and both methods end up giving you the same results. Okay. So that actually increases the confidence that you have on your analysis. So okay, okay. usually that works well. So, so, uh, so if I were a marketer and if I were a brand, uh, uh, you know, and I've never used semiotics, okay, yeah. uh, where would you advise, uh, you know, we should start, okay, and uh, how do we start uh, using semiotics in, uh, you know, in, in a brand problem or a business opportunity, so how should we start? Yeah, sure. So if anybody is interested to learn, like learn what the fundamentals of semiotics and its applications. So, I mean, I would recommend uh, two authors. They have written books, basically. Uh, there's Dr. Rachel Lois and Dr. Dr. Laura Oswald. Mm-hmm. So they both are basically uh, marketing semioticians. So they are practitioners with a PhD. So basically they have like, they are academicians who then went into the industry and they have been kind of like pioneers in this space of marketing semiotics. Okay. Otherwise, semiotics as an academic discipline is there like, like I don't like, I think 1800s. Correct, I saw that, correct. It's quite an old uh, discipline mm. academically, but practically applying it in the, in the modern uh, marketplace, right? So Laura Oswald and Rachel Lois, they have written a couple mm. of books. Mm. This. In fact, even I found uh, their books quite helpful for like uh, when I'm applying semiotics in a consulting okay. space, right? So, so I mean, I would suggest they could start by reading those books. Okay. And uh, and I think I mean, like if you look at uh, market research uh, communities, right? Like you have this SOMR and MRSI. Yeah, yeah. They have these conferences, practitioner conferences, right? So I've seen. Uh, Every year, at least a few presentations made by companies where they have case studies where the application of semiotics has been shown. Okay. So, so where do I start, uh, Professor Tanvi? Say, for example, uh, uh, imagine I'm a, uh, I'm a sports brand. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I want to uh, look at, uh, you know, already there are these large multinationals and you used a very interesting uh, you know, terminology saying there's an Indian culture, right? Yeah. Uh, so therefore, in fact, when I saw the uh, Consumer Culture Lab, uh, you really were also as a group talking about uh, what the West culture, uh, you know, uh, norms are, are not really the norms of how the Indian, uh, you know, uh, cultures are. So if I were a sportswear brand and I was wanting to look at uh, using semiotics to do my uh, opportunity gaps. Uh, so how do I decode culture and how do I look at, okay, what appeals to this uh, Indian mindset? So how how and where should we start? And what are the methodologies in semiotics that's used to get to this core? Yeah, sure. So like I just said, right? So semiotics, basically it's an outside-in approach. So you need to then uh, kind of define your... Uh, target audience because if it's a sportswear brand then you can't define it as uh, like you know ethnic wear or some other uh, kind of category Correct. and if you're looking at for example uh, 
a particular demographic like mm, mm, mm. so i would suggest one one nice source of getting to know what is uh, what resonates with a young cohort uh, mm. in india right now would mm. be instagram okay. as one source okay and so on instagram you will have to then look at uh, what are the in like who are the influencers that uh, are work, that are kind of resonating with this audience mm-hmm. and th- what is there so you decode their sense of style and everything which okay. their content and find out what are the trending hashtags mm. in this space mm-hmm. I mean, like for example i haven't worked on this category but for example the mother category right so there are a lot of mom bloggers okay so have a lot of hashtags okay mom- moms of instagram and all those right so there are these online communities mm-hmm. special interest communities where like minded people come together mm-hmm. so when it comes to sports enthusiasts mm-hmm. in india mm-hmm. what kind of content are they looking are mm-hmm. they watching on a regular basis okay not just like i mean i mean we can't look at uh, just decoding a cricket match i'm not talking I, about I, that i got it i got it so you are saying the mindset to uh, wellness the mindset to health the mind yes. and the mindset to uh, you know the rigor and discipline of uh, you know going to the gyms okay the mindset to actually uh, look at uh, you know my own uh, you know the way i look okay yes. uh, you are you are actually talking about this kinds of this kind of deconstructing this is really what you are talking so maybe we even can take a mom uh, you know uh, example that you are talking about so how would you deconstruct that because i already have a johnson and johnson right which is almost like a brand which you wake up and then you just say you know there is a johnson and johnson kind of a brand which is already there yeah. so if i have to decode the culture and then say you know what i have to appeal to this new mom okay and uh, you know therefore how do you really then look at this mom and therefore where do you look for this outside in insights and how do you go about uh, decoding that culture yeah yeah so basically like when you have all your content with you right which we call as a corpus mm. which is supposed to be a quite a large corpus like it's not just uh, 10 images mm. at least uh, like you know 500 mm. images uh, in front of you mm-hmm. and then it's a, it's a kind of a de- like a detective kind of a exercise a very visual uh, exercise where you try to see patterns emerging and Uh, the most interesting thing powerful t- uh, lens that we try to bring in is what we call as binary oppositions mm-hmm. so binary oppositions is when you see one uh, two opposites mm. coming out clearly in in your corpus for example uh, like if you take this motherhood example johnson and johnson as a brand and uh, dove as a brand for example right dove also is in the baby space so johnson and johnson as a brand when i looked at its content right uh, so there's another thing which i look for are metaphors mm. so what is this brand actually implying mm. metaphorically to mm. something else which is there prevalent in our culture right so for okay. johnson and johnson like a metaphor that strongly stood out to me was this whole uh, jesus christ and mother mary kind of a mm. metaphor mm. like the very divine child mm-hmm. and the mother is kind of the whole sacred uh, responsibility mm-hmm. of the mother even one drop nothing should happen and mm-hmm. and you see that glowing uh, 
if you kind of see right the visuals very nice very nice okay yeah uh christianity the the entire yeah cultural uh, hues yeah as in uh, like the technical term for it is uh, myth which mm. is kind of uh, roland barth's uh, concept mm. where culturally there are certain scripts mm. that are kind of there in our mind either through movies or through religion or anything which generally over the ages has been there with us right so so johnson johnson is like that really divine child and the mother is kind of also like almost a goddess you know has mm. to go. not even one drop can go wrong so so indirectly it puts a lot of pressure on the mom mm. like everything should be perfect mm. in a johnson and johnson's world there's not even one drop of dirt mm. everything is clean and serene right i think to contrast with johnson johnson i'll pick up maybe surf as an example so surf excel dag acche hain you have seen that mm-hmm. campaign right so that i think uh, is a result of a very powerful uh, analysis of the space like you know the, the binary opposite dag acche hain is actually technically flipping the entire uh, metaphor mm-hmm. which is which johnson johnson is in right so mm-hmm. the surf excel shows kids playing in this dirty mud then everything is dirty mm. and then the brand comes saying the, the brand says the there is the mother don't worry if your child is dirty that doesn't mean you're a bad mother mm. because in real life things are messy yeah, exactly so uh, you know so we're moving from that very ideal sacred space to a more realistic space mm. without making the mother feel guilty about it so that whole emotion of guilt mm. uh, kind of is uh, released right so 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 you know in semiotics what i was talking about binary opposites if you were to visualize it right it will be one axis is good mother bad mother the other axis is clean and dirty mm. Mm. so you have that quadrant yeah the space so most brands will be in clean mother clean and good mother mm-hmm. that space only mm-hmm. uh, and then bad and dirty mm-hmm. basically these are what culturally dominant thoughts correct as a brand if you are able to move into that paradox mm-hmm. saying dirty at good mm-hmm. then it becomes very powerful this which is called myth as mm-hmm. per Uh, theory in semiotics okay and this this such spaces become really powerful for brands to occupy because they really become unforgettable mm. even if you look at uh, fairy tales the mm. characters most of those memorable characters are, are occupying those paradox spaces mm. like the like the evil stepmother in snow white mm. she is beautiful and evil mm. Mm. and the dwarfs like they are ugly and good mm. right so they those spaces actually are very interesting so you're because you're working with those conceptual mm. spaces right but yeah as in if if you're doing a semiotic analysis yourself uh, i don't know it's more like a meditative exercise like okay. a bit of buddhism helps where you transcend above the like the actual stuff which is there in the ad at a at a abstract level what metaphors are they drawing from okay okay very interesting so one you said is the binary opposite uh, are there other concepts uh, in semiotics uh, which uh, you know which will bring this uh, uh, you know uh, interesting uh, you know study alive say uh, what are the other ways of actually looking at these uh, you know cohorts right if i were to call it yeah uh, 
Yeah, so I think usually it's the binary opposites and then plotting the spaces which opens up the category. Another exercise which is usually done is what we call as the code trajectory. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's your residual dominant and emergent codes. Okay. So actually a code also is like a, a separate concept in semantics. Usually a code, code is more like a, when a set of things come together and every time they, they're always coming together repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a very simple example would be like a dress code, you know, formal okay. dress or yeah, yeah. So, hmm. you know, when a se- different set of clothes or looks and styles come together, uh, so they, we understand that as a casual code. Hmm. And then something comes together as a formal code. Hmm. So, similar, depending on what your category you're analyzing, each category will have its own code. Uh, set of codes. Hmm. So, we actually try to... Uh, list down all the possible codes that are there in a category. Hmm. Usually, maybe seven seven to eight codes hmm. kind of uh, bring out. And then we look at the trajectory of these codes because culture is not something static. Hmm. It changes with time. Maybe hmm. it doesn't change on a daily basis, but if you see maybe in the next, uh, depending on which category you're into, uh, it Maybe a decade might, it might take a decade or it might take a year, mm. depending on the speed at which culture is changing. Uh, so for a brand, it was, it's worthwhile to know what is emerging, mm. possibly which will pick up uh, speed in the next five to 10 years mm. so that they can be in that, be the pioneers in that space. So, so when we uh, look at the codes, we see patterns in terms of, what are the codes which are more outdated? Hmm. You know, like it has been there for a long time and now the people who are using it are more not seen as the cool ones. And then you have the dominant, which is mainstream, which everybody is doing it taken for granted. And then emergent is there with some new things which are emerging now. The cooler uh, trendsetters are bringing it now and it's potentially it will grow. It's almost like saying that... uh... If I saw Lakme, it yeah. was my mom's brand. Okay. And mm. that's really the code of, uh, you know, it's the last generation brand. But if it had to transform to the current generation, then the current cultural codes needed to be taken, implanted into the, uh, you know, the visual cues and the branding cues of yeah. uh, Lakme. And then suddenly you move it from the old generation brand to a current generation while L'Oreal might be seen as, uh, you know, a certain uh, young uh, current generation brand. But if I were Lakme, then the cultural cues that come in are very, very different. And therefore, how do I, uh, you know, pick, uh, you know, the cues, whether it could be the color, whether it could be the typeface, whether it could be the packaging, all this become very, very important. And that's really how you uh, really, uh, if you ask me, deconstruct and then reconstruct the brand, right? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Basically, you de- deconstruct or like dismantle the culture and then kind of once you know what's emerging, then you reconstruct. In fact, it was interesting you brought in beauty as an example because mm-hmm. I had done a similar exercise for a beauty brand mm-hmm. uh, where in fact we found that, you know, like brands like L'Oreal and Pantene and all are currently in the dominant space. Mm-hmm. So because we are not looking only at... Uh, you know, like color or something like that, but it's what beauty itself means to mm. women now in mm. India. 
so earlier like what could be the residual maybe dom some of it is dominant is looking beautiful mm. or whatever beauty products are able to provide to a girl was a uh, uh, better chance at the marriage market okay so it was all about uh, getting ha- married ha- lived happily ever after kind of thing and most of the advertising was also around that uh, what we call as bohemian goddess mm. so you had all your priyanka chopra and uh, aishwarya rai coming very glamorous overly glamorous you know hair is flying and uh, like like the really glamour accepted uh, beauty right so that was kind of a dominant which is been dominant for some time now but in our research we looked at uh, like social media content and we looked at a lot of uh, content coming out from young girls hmm. on social media on instagram and other places about what they when they are talking about beauty or things right and even some recent recent movies that had come out at that time like dangal and other mm. kind of movies right so where we found that for women it was not that marriage market or that glamour attracting the other gender uh, which kind of defined what beauty was it was more about uh, you know uh, power actually what they were looking for so it was more about confidence it was more about power and uh, so what beauty gives me is more confidence and therefore uh, you know i am able to express myself could be a kind of a code that might come up right yeah yeah so basically it was about a very uh, like you know beauty as strength inner beauty and uh, uh, you know like even products you know like you didn't want to have that over powering glamour or thing it's like very stable sorted uh, mm. sense of self mm. and the confidence and actually like women want to kind of focus on work careers and uh, you know and uh, like your hair or whatever pro- uh, hair care skin care and all, should not come in the way of your work basically mm-hmm. so products are also then kind of about convenience and uh, very nice very right? nice so then uh, you know as a brand working in that space then they need to pivot to mm. that side because that staying in that glamour uh, beauty queen space after a few years it you then you'll get outdated so yeah so in fact the other uh, cultural code that i see is uh, say somebody like ariel uh, doing share the load right yeah. which is again another dominant culture that's changing right which is uh, not somebody uh, you know who's probably uh, you know a brand just cleaning white but it's about sharing the load okay yeah. and that's yeah. another cultural code picked up by the brand and then they are trying to dominate that space so that's really what you decode and then start connecting yeah. a brand yeah. to that yeah. problem right so laundry for example is a very uh, otherwise a very mundane and a functional thing mm. but if but if you connect lo- that act of laundry to your life in general mm. and what it um, how it is embedded in our culture Mm. then the gender roles and everything will come in and as a brand you know if you are able to abstract mm. from your specific product benefit to a cultural space yeah it really helps to build that uh, build the brand no no absolutely for example you never thought uh, a brew advertising where the husband prepares the coffee for the wife is another cultural cue that you would not have seen in a brew advertising maybe 20 years back right mm. so again you're 
court trajectory that you talk about is this if i were brew 20 years back the court trajectory was something else it was actually uh, the uh, women serving the coffee versus the court trajectory of 2020 22 is about the uh, you know husband serving the coffee and yet having the moment so that really is how you deconstruct and connect a brand to that culture code right that's really what you're talking right yes yes so like just by sitting like we are able to come up with these examples right so when yes. you actually doing a systematic analysis you will look at maybe like a 50 brands okay their ads for maybe the last 5 years mm. and like how brew like that you might come across some seven eight more ads like that okay and then you'll also find seven eight ads which are still using the old code okay so you'll see those patterns in your data itself and you'll be able to kind of and you'll know which is become becoming residual and which is emergent because we ourselves belong to the same culture okay, okay. that's another limitation like if if somebody asks me to do a semiotic analysis of a german culture mm. i won't be able to do it because i don't know much about that culture mm. Mm. so that's why for me personally i kind of specialize on the indian context in indian culture okay so, which i think is growing because i actually get uh, get inquiries from uh, companies outside india mm. who are interested to understand india because india i think is one of the biggest markets mm. for brands now so people companies who are not from india they really need that cultural understanding otherwise they'll not they'll fail mostly yeah, correct they correct with uh, without understanding the indian culture mm. so i think i mean in the international market there is a good uh, demand okay. for so India. a lot of our examples on semiotics uh, at least you know for the last uh, you know 15 20 minutes that we spoke about was largely on the cpg brands or the fmcg right uh, but imagine uh, today you know there is technology right so i have apps i have uber and i have uh, you know swiggy and i have zepto and you know all these kinds of things which are coming in so if i were a technology company okay uh and i'm actually building software uh, uh actually uh, not enough thought goes into uh you know how do i even design the interfaces the language the uh, you know the signs okay of uh, you know a, a button okay uh, so would that be useful for companies trying to do this and are there some examples that you know you could pick up and talk because these are i think sometimes uh technology is also about uh you know how you use a culture right uh, in a culture uh, you know how do you really look at all these apps that are coming in and things like that so do you think there's a lot of uh, opportunities for the tech companies to apply semiotics in their design yes sure i mean uh, as long as there's a brand involved then you need to build a brand uh story around it so so the branding uh, semiotics is applicable across the board mm-hmm. in fact when it comes to marketing like they say there are two types of marketing one is brand marketing and the other is growth marketing okay brand marketing is pretty much about the perception that the image that you want to build about your brand in the long run mm-hmm. and, it moves, and it doesn't change on a daily basis it's more like a quarterly half yearly yearly Mm-hmm. and the building value for that brand and the images impressions comes through more from communications advertising and those places so there what we have spoken so far is a direct 
semiotics mm. as a direct application mm. there mm. which is what uh, what i what i talked about was social semiotics mm. where you understand mm. social categories like gender and all those things uh, the other type of uh, marketing what is growth marketing right so that is more on the behavioral uh, in changes of the consumer on a daily basis okay like whether how many people are clicking how many people are installing something how many people are buying mm. uh, the data driven marketing right where mm. analytics is involved and it's a very quick uh, it was it's more like this very transactional level mm. 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 Uh, thing so there usually the abstract and the brand those things don't play in that deeply mm. in that space mm. Uh, so when it comes to semiotics so what i shared so far was more social semiotics so there is another substream of semiotics called visual semiotics mm-hmm. which is a very uh, 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 like a very concrete object oriented uh, okay thing where you look at specific things like color mm. shape mm. font layout so mm. all the visual design uh, features of anything is dismantled and looked at uh, uh, the effects of each design are uh, looked at what it means and i think when like what you talked about i think is a emergent space uh, known as ux research yeah correct where they actually try to research and find out the experience of the consumer as they are not even consumer they use the word user mm. as they are using the app correct inter- interface of the app so you i actually i haven't done ux research myself mm. uh, but i i mean i am aware that a lot of qualitative uh, research happens in that space where they do a walk through where the uh, user is using it and then they kind of discuss and understand the yeah entire experience mm. so i think in that space also there is a, a possibility to do semiotic analysis but it won't be like a outside in like what i was talking about looking at media artifacts hmm. it be more about uh, decoding the actual visual uh, structure of that interface because there's a lot of for example color psychology hmm. so color generally we say red and blue but actually color has three properties right uh, hue saturation lightness yeah so so there like the like like the kind of work i did in my thesis also right it's a more psychology based work where you mm. understand what like my thesis was about what empty space means mm. in different mm. cultures in a design so cluttered versus spaced out design mm. high versus low saturation color so these are more as in it's a more mechanical way of looking at uh, things but visual semiotics is does that like you break it into specific design features hmm. not just visual it also includes sound symbolism Contraminds is a podcast dedicated to decoding people minds strategy and culture we interview and learn from high performers so that you can apply these lessons on your journey to becoming the knowledge worker athlete you are meant to be the contraminds podcast is available on all leading podcast players and if you are interested in revisiting past episodes or taking a look at our show notes from this episode please visit us at www.contraminds.com/blog and now back to the show yeah no uh, in fact uh, i would uh, uh, professor tanvi i would think that uh, imagine i am an app 
you know uh, maybe doing a one minute loan or uh, you know i'm doing delivery okay like a zepto okay mm-hmm. uh, but there are also cultural hues that can be uh, you know uh, fed into the app right so a simple thing could be uh, you know a hunger and therefore uh, you know how do you really uh, build notifications for it okay yeah. or sharing as a uh, you know as a concept and therefore in the app it's not one transactional uh, you know uh, color uh, what you call as a visual semiotics okay i also believe that the cultural hues of actually saying that you know what uh, you know you know is it a sharing weekend then therefore how do you really then bring in uh, you know uh, design that can help in that uh, uh, you know in that experience my belief is that from what you spoke when you use uh, social semiotics with visual semiotics i think there's a lot of opportunities for even tech brands to become you know like a cpg or an fmcg brand but not enough is being done is my yeah. thesis and would you agree with that yeah that's definitely a very good example mm-hmm. in fact when you talked about hunger it was like it would have, it will be an amazing exercise to actually decode what hunger means in india yeah. how hunger can manifest uh, visually as well because i remember i came across one report not in india uh, where they had uh, decoded what pain means mm. different kinds of pain mm. so things like pain and hunger they are actually visceral like they are associated with the body but also psychologically you know they are it's a mix of embodied experiences along with emotional uh, experience correct, correct. right so, uh, so when we look at sem- semiotics right like visual semiotics there's material semiotics mm. where the body also plays a role mm. the experience that you feel in your body mm. uh, you know like for example um, Uh, like a tall uh, the experience of height makes you feel powerful mm, mm. and that's why you know a product you know like a suv car because it's higher mm. sitting in it you psychologically you feel powerful correct right so the way the body and the mind uh, interacts with each other and it can be same thing can be replicated through an extrinsic visual mm. cue as well absolutely and especially and uh, especially when you are really talking about changing behavior through apps technology uh, you know if you don't take the social semiotics okay uh, and then start uh, you know uh, applying it say for example the normal example i give is uh, you know so my wife orders uh, you know flowers for puja and uh, you know today the uh, the flower vendor is actually uh, you know getting paid by gpay okay so it's a very you know interesting example of the social code completely changing and you know so when i asked her okay how do you order she says i just uh, you know use the voice message uh, you know tell her that this is what i need because she can't read but clearly uh, you know look at the social code of how this is actually uh, an application has got transformed and then how people use it okay in their lives and therefore the understanding and decoding of the application itself can provide new features and opportunities for technology companies right yes yes that's true in yeah. fact i remember one of my early experiences with using online payment for a cab i took an auto i guess and then it was the first it was the his first ride in the morning mm. 
he refused to take a digital payment he wanted a physical cash because that is what is lakshmi yeah the so, yeah. uh, money that they receive right so it was interesting that digital money is not considered as lakshmi physical is so so the whole uh, association of cash versus digital right but that was like, a few years back so maybe now uh, it's become different well, it has changed or maybe you know that's the way uh, the culture uh, works so therefore as a brand then how can i build a new feature in my app where your first payment is basically cash in the balance or digital right suddenly you are able to build a differential in your application right because the technologies does not think culture code behavior and things like that and that's really the opportunity for us to really uh, take advantage of and even uh, use of fonts say some fonts give me a feeling that you are sophisticated some yeah. fonts give me so can you throw some light around how it's decoded and uh, you know that'll be interesting because not enough uh, you know uh, uh, attention is given uh, to uh, you know fonts to colors uh, you know i would say to typefaces uh, you know these are some of the things to sound for example right so uh, so can you talk to us about what uh, you know uh, uh, hues that it creates in the human mind and how can uh, you know brands take advantage yes sure so this i think links to visual semiotics yeah. uh, actually yeah as in it could also be sounds in fact i think the theorist who we look at is uh, jacobson okay as uh, like j his name starts with a j but okay. it's not jacobson so he actually uh, came up with this concept that any uh, kind of a stimulus can be dismantled into the bare into those units mm-hmm. like uh, font again font is one big thing within mm-hmm. that font you have serif and sans serif fonts mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. uh, you know like a serif font is which has those uh, lines at the edges protruding mm-hmm. lines at the edges sans serif is without that mm-hmm. that's a very subtle thing but mm-hmm. actually serif fonts tend to be more formal mm-hmm. sans serif is more casual mm-hmm. and yeah okay if is more classical mm. right and then if you use capitals mm. upper case versus lower case also the so upper case is more authoritative and more mm. for lower case is more approachable and friendly mm. if it's just the as a brand you know if you're creating a logo mm. so if you see the tata logo mm. all are all capitals t a t a tata imagine if you just imagine all small letters in the mm. tata logo nice as in it's it's an odd it's a podcast so i'm not able to show it to you like but if you just imagine it in your mind you will suddenly feel that you know it's like a junior tata or something that correct, it's correct 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 no, it's lovely lovely i think so therefore imagine a set of semioticians working in a technology company decoding culture bring it bringing it back into the applications because a lot of innovation happens there but not enough consumer insighting goes into these companies and uh, i think there's a lot of opportunities from semiotics is what i can pick up from this conversation and not just the cpg companies and the marketing companies but probably a whole host of other uh, you know opportunities is something that you uh, that we could look at right so uh, yeah. that's really what i think uh, and especially we can build a new uh, semiotics uh, you know Uh, line of thinking given our culture right that's really what i think uh, uh, yeah, that i believe culture offers so a lot 
of fodder to do semiotics and because it's very complex as well like i've seen paper i've seen a paper where they actually looked at intracultural diversity mm. across different countries and if you see for example us uh, within the us the diversity is very less mm. but if you see within india mm. the diversity is very high and uh, you can't uh, even think like language like mm. in the west generally there's one language spoken in the entire country Correct. but here, every state has its own regional language Correct. so the diversity is also so high and the complexity is so high uh, that i think it's important to for brands who are working in india to have that pulse especially on the diversity in, in fact there was one project i had worked on for a, a big uh, uh, fmcg company where uh, we decoded the difference between north india and south india very nice So it was a very interesting exercise. Like, like me personally, like I'm actually a North Indian, but I've always lived in South. Hmm. Like I'm married into a South Indian family, so that kind of more like a personal exploration. Also, it was for me. So uh, it was a very interesting exercise because that brand basically is uh, headquartered in Delhi. Hmm. Their ad agency is in Delhi. and they they have been making ads which do very well in north but they fail miserably in the south mm. they were not able to understand why so mm. we actually decoded the uh, south indian movies mm. we decoded the ads of other categories that have done well in the south for mm. example the brew ad which you talked about was a part of the analysis you know the whole gender dynamics are very different in north mm. versus south in, in within india also true so It was a very interesting exercise. So something like that, right? Diverse, even at a regional level, like if you're looking, I don't know, like a Maharashtra level and culture versus a Bengal level. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. So which is why you see a lot of regional brands, right? In India, yeah. uh, you know, when you go to a channel, you see a lot of regional brands, and they may not be national brands. Maybe they appeal to a certain regional culture, which a national brand is not able to really, uh, you know. So therefore, even when you look at Uh, brand portfolios maybe what you do uh, internationally in the west versus what you need to do in india okay may be may need to be very different because you know what i like uh, in the south may not be the same what the people in the north like and therefore am i have to have a house of brands or a house of regional brands and yet how do i deconstruct it maybe there are you know semiotics provides lot of opportunities right yeah yes So, so uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, you know, uh, I am Udaipur has got this consumer culture lab. Okay, uh, I was very intrigued. Uh, you know, what, uh, what do you do there? What are the kind of research that you do? And you know, can you share with us some learnings around the Indian culture, the you know, the tribal culture? You talk about the, uh, you know, how Indians. Uh, really have suddenly taken interest in uh, you know history based movies okay so there's a lot of things that you decode right so therefore what do you do in the uh, you know the uh, consumer culture lab at i am uh, udaipur and talk to us about what do you explore and discover there and talk to us uh, about what you have learned about the digital lives of indian consumer lots of things that i've saw i saw there so talk to us about it yes Yes, so the consumer culture lab uh, we started it in November two thousand twenty, almost two years back. So basically, I joined I am Udaipur 
like in january 2020 so i was very lucky to being a like a new assistant professor to get a chance to set up my own lab like mm-hmm. it's not it's quite rare uh, you know to get a chance in academy so early but i think our director was really open to it and ayamudhapur has had a, what we call a startup culture so mm. it's unlike not like uh, most the of traditional, the traditional uh, schools where generally there is a level of bureaucracy or slowness right so here uh, Uh, so there is uh, professor julian kela who is an associate professor at uh, nanyang business school in singapore mm. so julian actually is uh, i mean he is from france but uh, he has i mean many years back when he did his phd thesis it was on india mm. so he is all from beginning fascinated with indian culture uh, in fact he is half indian in a way like he is uh, married an into okay. an indian married an indian person and so he lives in singapore so so he always wanted to set up uh, like you know to encourage cultural research coming from india so there is this field called consumer culture theory in academic research mm-hmm. uh, where uh, qualitative cultural research coming in the marketing space in academics it gets published so in cct research uh, t- right now it is completely dominated by us and uh, europe mm. because from decades you know the academicians have been trained in those methods and they have been doing it okay. so within india i'm talking about academic research now not the uh, like the commercial industry side so in academic research within india my own phd journey has been that so i was always interested in the qualitative side uh, but uh, the, like where i did my phd right in i am bangalore again it's a quant heavy mm. institute in fact most uh, institutes across asia are quant focused mm. qualitative you will find very niche here and there kind so so systematically and i think that's also because most of the academically or inclined people in india go into engineering mm. science is preferred over uh, arts or mm. basically uh, it's humanities right cultural correct, and correct correct from the arts actually so arts we know we grew up say thinking arts is like the used to be placed lowest in the hierarchy correct right? correct most of the people who end up becoming professors will come from that science iit and engineering yeah. right so that they really good with numbers which is of course very important and uh, kind of that's where the what i was talking about growth marketing right yeah. that's yeah. booming right now so so most of the research is coming from that if you see indian authors publishing but we know that the indian context has so much rich cultural uh, correct correct uh, uh, things to study but nobody is doing it mm. no, we haven't been we haven't generally received enough training yeah. theoretical training to be at par with the what it is in our counterparts in the west yeah so the labs motive was actually to create that space at least to start that conversation where uh, anybody who's interested in understanding or doing academically uh, cultural research about india we can create that platform and get people together so technically uh, in i am udaipur a lot of my colleagues in the marketing area we all are interested in uh, this space quality okay. research cultural research along with quant also yes. we are kind of mixed uh, methods yeah. people here 
so so it's kind of a nice community cohort that we have so we pick up uh, topics and then we have started working on it and technically i am udaipur's like our department is a quite a young department mm. most of us are uh, uh, as in like 3 5 3 to 6 7 years post phd mm. so we don't like we not have like really uh, very very senior okay faculty here so so julian is kind of the senior faculty who is also our area advisor so we have this concept here okay so julian uh, kind of guides us on this so we as the as through the lab so it's me and then there's professor rajesh nanapura who is my colleague Hmm. so both of us are kind of primarily involved in the cultural uh, okay uh, lab hmm. and uh, professor julian is our advisor so we through the lab basically we fo- we are focusing on doing one key academic research project per year okay so for this year uh, we are working on this project which is called as the digital heartland of india okay i mean we have called it like that and it's basically uh, understanding uh content creation hmm. from small towns and rural india okay so because when i was working like i worked at uh, kantar for 3 years right so uh, when i was working there also i i noticed that the major chunk of research that we used to do primary research was focused on the metros exactly it used to be delhi mumbai chennai yeah sometimes kolkata it pretty much keep revisiting the same and then also additionally maybe some neighboring uh, town like lucknow and uh, correct coimbatore uh, uh, kind of correct correct but uh, we never did any deep dive in small tier like tier 3 and rural unless it was a very specific rural uh, like agricultural product or something otherwise correct. mainstream understanding wasn't there exactly much. exactly and even academically as in there's not not much published like yeah. there's only one faculty called, uh, professor rohit varman who was earlier at i am calcutta so he has published uh, okay. two papers but uh, except for him there's not been any other okay yeah so so that's why we thought it's a very open space for us to explore and uh, for this digital heartland project we are also collaborating with uh, an agency called stripe partners mm. uh, which is uh, headed by uh, dr simon roberts again mm. he is again a phd anthropologist who moved to the industry so he had i mean they have he's quite uh, one of the role models of in this mm. space so they do business anthropology so he has worked with uh, brands like intel and okay. google spotify and all the tech uh, companies right and pretty much we we felt that uh, this is there is a need even among tech companies and in general to for people to understand this whole uh, digital expansion which is happening from small towns and rural india mm. so this project we started off uh, with that and then as we were pro- progressing we thought we'll go take a little more narrower focus so that we can go deeper so we focused on content creators Hmm. so it's not just like top generally looking at people using the internet hmm. but people actually creating their own youtube channels and you know become so, so so what you're saying is if i were in a small village there could be somebody creating content 
So what are the primary drivers of that person creating content? What are the reason and uh, and what then, uh, you know, drives the community to then uh, follow them and therefore you, you are decoding that behavior and the need, right? Yeah, yeah. so we are basically, this particular project is not a semiotics project because mm. this is actually, uh, it's an ethnographic uh, project. Okay, okay. We are actually going and talking to people and going to the towns and villages and to spending up two, three days there, understanding people's lives there. Hmm. So, so what have you discovered uh, in terms of, uh, while, while I, I don't even want to, you know, uh, preempt the research, but things that surprised you, you know, that I think is something that if you can share, that will yeah. be great. Yeah. So I think one thing which I, because I have uh, been a, born and brought up in a metro, uh, as in right now I'm living in Udaipur, but I was born and brought up in Bangalore. Mm. So Udaipur is a small town. Yeah. Uh, but even in general, when I see Udaipur, the adoption of digital is so seamlessly, uh, people are so comfortable with it, like your mm. digital payments and all. Even in Bangalore, I have not seen street vendors uh, use it that easily. Whereas mm. in a smaller town, I think, uh, you know, it's, people are much more uh, adaptive. Mm. In fact, I have actually seen, you know, this whole concept of Jugad, what we mm, have, right? The more rural you go, the more people are self-sustaining. Like they, mm. are, they'll quickly pick up things and learn. Mm. And uh, one interesting thing is uh, the language barrier is not there. Till some time back, mm. internet used to be in English. Yeah. But now YouTube mm. has videos in all languages. You have mm. Hindi, Tamil, Telugu. Yeah every language right so if anybody wants to learn anything they'll just watch a youtube video and learn it is it so, yeah in mm. the local language right so mm. so i in fact i visited uh, a village called tulsi in chhattisgarh okay uh, i went there in october so that village is actually called as the youtuber village what so, are you saying is it yeah i mean if you i mean google it you'll see tulsi is the name of the village okay so there is, uh, as in that that entire village, everybody acts in YouTube videos. So there are a few youngsters there who have created their YouTube channels. Okay. They make uh, like stories and things like from the village. So they they're like acts, like they make stories and then uh, if uh, for example they need a old woman's character, so somebody's grandmother will come. Okay. And okay. Like this entire village is like this. Uh, theater group kind of a thing you know so very I, interesting i spent two days with them there mm. so i mean their channel is called being chattisgarhia so okay okay Chattisgari channel so chat, okay. no it's like a regional uh, language channel and they have followers and things like that yeah they have uh, lakhs of followers so. lakhs is it okay yeah. mm. in fact they they also were invited by the chattisgarh chief minister to perform on stage for some ceremony and things so my interesting okay okay so so what impact does it have uh, uh, professor tanvi on the community on the business on uh, you know uh, the uh, you know the o overall society so a behavior like this uh, what 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 changes happens in a place like tulsi right so what happens yeah so uh, actually, I don't think the, the, there's too much money being earned through this. Mm. I think that uh, exorbitant amounts of money is not being earned. 
but uh, it is something they are doing out of passion and mm. uh, and for them why they are doing it is basically they want to put their village on the map okay they have you know we done it right so, and okay. uh, and trying to bring out uh, you know like chatisgarh's local identity up front so that's what i was talking about that regional identity aspect mm. right yeah. like that's i think one of the key uh, uh, findings like mm. in my in the studies basically uh when like you know if if we are if you're staying in the metros generally you associate your, you might associate yourself with being an indian mm. but you might not and you are in a very cosmopolitan space right so you might not that strongly uh, say okay you know i want to do something for my state mm. regional level right it's more at the level of country unless maybe i don't know maybe like a, a a state like tamil nadu is, has a very strong regional uh, identity but if i say a state like chatisgarh mm. technically it was a part of madhya pradesh till some yeah correct correct recently it has got it doesn't have a very distinct identity of its own mm. so we went to creators across india actually like mm. i saw the same pattern we went to a creator in a small town in maharashtra mm. uh, in sangli mm. and even and he's he kept comparing himself with other other creators from maharashtra okay. and he wanted to put his village on everybody should know about sangli okay so, so it is uh, kind of uh, that regional identity is what is uh, you know driving them and they want to bring that out through their uh, content creation and their to through the platform okay so so when you uh, when you really uh, want to link it back to probably what you have always done which is really your you know your decoded brands your decoded uh, you know uh, cultures your uh, you know how a brand needs to get connected to a culture so how do you think a regional identity kind of a uh, you know uh, say a myth if i were to call it okay a brand how do you think uh, you, you will be able while you are doing an ethnographic uh, study uh, do you see connects between how brands can take advantage of this and maybe uh, what what are brands missing because they may actually paint every indian consumer as one kind of a model right but suddenly what you are telling me is that so much of regional identity is there that there is a there are advantages that the brand can take do you see did you see some misses that uh, you know when you see it from the other mirror that you have always been yeah yeah no i think it is a very uh, interesting space but i guess brands might be also like the more regional diversity they bring in the more uh, fluid then their brand becomes generally in branding they try to have a very consistent if it's if you're Correct. a national brand mm. so they'll have to see how can they localize to mm. reach but i think when it comes to regional identity uh, in fact it, i was surprised you know when i was talking to these creators in uh, chatisgarh they were telling me about kantara the movie Oh, movie. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. Uh, like they have watched it, watched the with the the dubbed version of it, and uh, they were talking about uh, you know that it's such a good movie. So I think even regional content, right? Uh, it's not uh, that only people from that region are only appreciating it. Mm. So instead of uh, you know, it's more like the granularity or the richness mm. of that region. Mm. which can come into the content otherwise you try to standardize it for the entire country then you lose the details 
Correct. Used whatever that uh, lowest comp lowest common factor right? So, which is what I think Bollywood is now losing out because yeah. they are trying to use that formula which will work across. It, then it becomes a very politicized uh, yeah. uh, thing. So, so you are saying that the the uh, you know the content is becoming fluid across geographies. Is that something that you are saying? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, as in the content is getting richer and more rooted in the regional mm. space. Okay. In fact, uh, as in this village, uh, an interesting thing is that uh, the people involved in this, right? They come from a family which was involved in the Ramlila in okay. their in their village. Okay. So technically, if you go through the villages in India, it is theater or performance has always been a part of our culture. Mm, mm, if you mm. go back generations, Ram Lila, and I don't know if you have if you have seen Kantara, the movie there, it's a dance form, right? So like Yakshagana. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have not seen Kantara, but I've uh, kind of seen the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the trailer of it. The trailer of it, and uh, there is there are enough conversations around it, around but it. but clearly, uh, you know, something like a PS one, okay, of from Tamil mm. Nadu, uh, you know, again. Uh, you know, it's again a big uh, grosser, but yes. uh, but clearly again it has got similar uh, you know uh, you know hues with say a Kantara because it's a typical Chola kingdom and things yeah. like that which actually uh, you know is yeah. what it's built on, right? Yeah. So the whole roots, right? Where you came from or what what like it uh, going back to the history and the roots of that region. Mm. That is something uh, I think is kind of. Coming back in India also right now culturally, mm. and uh, I mean I'm not sure why it is happening. Like one of one of the based on what I have been reading, uh, I see that uh, you know like it's basically uh, after we got India got independence, and then when uh, like Nehru uh, became like the first prime minister, and then they had to set up India as a country. So what mod at uh, they had a choice. They were there are two models. First model was to go back to the pre-British era of India, use that as the identity, as the raw material to build India's identity based, rooted in that heritage and uh, history. Mm. The other option was to ignore everything before that, start afresh, make India forward-looking and align it with, add, like move forward, modernize India so that it becomes at par with the West. Mm from that point onwards hmm. right? so these two roots were there and these two roots are what divides the uh, political ideology space correct correct India. so at that time they went ahead with the modernizing route hmm. uh, and then but this other route was still kind of dormant dormant hmm. in people's minds and uh, i think now you know people are now kind of moving back to this the very other interesting. Idea. very interesting and very interesting in all facets if in fact even the current uh, uh, ruling party, right? BJP yeah. has always been in that Correct. ideological space of use, using the older uh, traditional roots as the source to build the identity of India. Correct. Which is now, I think, now become the dominant uh, ideology. So, very nice. Very nice. So, so see this repeating even in movies and other places, I guess. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. So if you were to, uh, you know, have uh, one message as a semiotician to marketers 
uh, what would you think uh, uh, you know you would want them to do more given that it's not so developed in our country right and uh, so yeah. what would you think uh, is an important thing what would you want them to do and if you were to give three pieces of advice what would it be okay okay i'll have to think <laughs> no so, problem yeah i think one piece of advice i would give especially for uh, marketers who are looking for brand marketing so as i talked about brand marketing and growth marketing right so in a growth marketing context you're in this very high speed uh, results driven uh, mindset but brand marketing requires you to slow down mm. and take a one step back and look at the larger goal of your brand right so one step I, one suggestion i would give is to you know at some intervals to try to slow down and uh, step back and look at you know what your brand means itself in the marketplace so sales and pushing uh, the numbers is there mm. generally i think when you're a person who's in, in charge of marketing has that pressure mm. to show the sales and the pnl and everything mm. but uh, as and i've seen big brands do it where they focus uh, at the abstract image that their brand ha- has right so even for any any brand even if you're a b2b brand also right you can try to take a step back at times and just understand the identity of your brand and what is this brand doing in culture okay so and enough enough of that is what you are saying needs to be done so take uh, take uh, you know slow down understand and then uh, reconstruct if uh, and add a few uh, elements to your brand and start to do that is what you are saying yes so this because semiotics is a slow mm. process it's a deep process mm. more like soul searching kind of a process for the brand mm. so that at least once a year if they can do it no it will be a good exercise brilliant brilliant um, uh, if i was uh, uh, in the marketing department and i was a young marketing uh, you know a professional joining the marketing world uh, into a company it might be a, a brand it might be a research company in an advertising agency you've been a planner yourself okay so uh, so what advice would you give them from a semiotics uh, you know because i think this is something this is an art there which i don't see too many agencies or too many companies practicing right so therefore uh, you know if you were to look back and then say hey here is something interesting try to do it like what you said uh, you know do this for a year once in a year try to do a semiotics study okay so if i were in a marketing department uh, how do i build the skill and what would you urge them to do so that you know this merging of culture society behavior is very important for a brand right so therefore uh, so how do you suggest they uh, they adopt this sure so i think if a new young person is joining our marketing department i think it might this advice might be in general to any person joining a job would be that uh, usually organizations have a very standardized or a set way of doing things and uh, when on when you're joining a company you generally tend to kind of get tuned to those uh, uh, methods and those structures right Uh, but i think if you're looking to make an impact 
then uh, i think don't lose or let go of the creativity or those uh, path breaking ideas that you might have so like for example when i was working also i always tried to go out of the template you know like to do things differently and and it always worked like like i was in research so uh, there was one presentation where we had to generally uh, the data was presented at saying the consumer said this the consumer says this so i actually created the entire presentation in first person mm. so i am the consumer i am speaking you know so mm. it's like just some uh, uh, subtle things but it uh, really created that in fact there was one study which was on the youth culture so i was technically part of that target group so i presented the entire thing in first person so that came out very impactfully so i think uh, it's just that as a young uh, professional especially in marketing i'm saying because marketing itself as a field is so dynamic mm-hmm. and you know like digital marketing and all these things so youngsters are technically better at it than the older people in the space anyway like they understand instagram much better they understand social media much better so uh, the you know the intuition that they have culturally which they are a part of i think they should draw from that hmm. and also in case if you are working in a category which is targeting some other uh, demographic like you know which you don't belong to then having that empathy uh towards the consumer will be important because otherwise like what i have seen especially you know like students who have gone through engineering and uh, the type of education we have gone through we tend to uh, look objectify things mm. numbers and things so we stop looking at uh, hum- uh, customers as humans mm. and these are the softer aspects of it right so i think they might get exposed to it in an mba program but uh, still like some most of the students still continue to have that uh, more like a quantitative correct uh, correct, correct so i think people who are able to have both like a quantit they should understand numbers of, like there is the category of people who scared of numbers like they mm-hmm. just that's you know that they are bad at the quant that's why they are doing qualitative correct. so like you know don't be in that category uh, like you know being good in quantitative is i am i think now kind of like a hygiene thing like you should understand the metrics but also if you are if you carry that uh, 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 cultural muscle right to understand culture look through things uh, that will be helpful and i think that is there naturally as humans but we tend to subdue it when we are in a formal uh, company kind of a space great Thank great you. brilliant brilliant uh, so thanks professor tanvi gupta it was a very very uh, refreshing conversation uh, the idea of actually looking at sociology uh, anthropology psychology the fact that this is a missing art and uh, there are so many things that semiotics can help uh, uh, brands uh, understanding consumers decoding culture i think this has been uh, fantastic conversation and thanks a lot for uh, you know sharing with us your ideas and i'm sure this is going to be a very interesting episode for our audience thanks a lot thanks a lot so much it was an amazing experience for me talking to you today thanks, thanks.
Thanks for listening to this episode. For selected links and detailed show notes, visit www.contraminds.com/blog. Follow Contraminds on social media and let us know who you would like to see next on the podcast. If you are listening to Contraminds on Apple Podcasts, do share your comments and give us a rating. We are keen to know what you are thinking. Contraminds is also on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and stay up to date on all our releases. Thanks for listening and stay safe.